Blog Talk Radio. Choices, decisions, frustrations, and pain. Knowing I'm going to forget her someday. While I still can, I'll challenge all my loved ones, every friend, to look inside their hearts and understand that I. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I am the founder and host, Lori LeBay, and I um, I work with Alzheimer Speaks, which is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. And at our core, we believe collaboratively we can win this battle against dementia. And I know that we're making a difference because of all of you, all of our listeners and supporters have just done a a marvelous job at helping push out all of our platforms from the radio show to the blog to the resource website um, and to the new Dementia Chats webinars. And I know it's working because, again, Dr. Oz and ShareCare um, recognized us as the number one influencer online for Alzheimer's disease. And I'm so thrilled that one of our guests today is in the top ten with me um, in that recognition, and I'll introduce Sherry here in just a bit. But we get a lot of new listeners, so I just want to tell you a little bit about how our platform works here because it's all about raising voice and having you join the conversation. So if you're listening by your computer, you can uh, sign in using Facebook, and we can communicate through the chat box because they try to monitor that while we're live and on the air. So you can pose questions or comments. You can also call in live to the show at 714-364-4757. That's 714-364-4757. And all you have to do then is push 1 to go ahead and get into my queue. Because here at Alzheimer's Speaks, again, we're about joining forces to give voice and share knowledge of the everyday um, life with dementia. And none of us has all of the answers, but together we can remove those stigmas and help people live with the disease, not as it. So we'd love you to become a care partner and an advocate in joining our cause. And if you like the show today, I would love it if you can um, just Click on the like button and push it out to your friends. Email it. You can embed these. You can share them. You can email them. And all of the episodes are archived for for your convenience. And a lot of people I know are sharing these with family members. They're using them in support groups, and they're also using them for training. So go at it. Um, That's what this is all about. Our channel expert, Rick Phelps, who has early onset disease, may pop into the show, and Rick was diagnosed with early onset in June of 2010, and he's the founder of Memory People, which is a support group on Facebook. And if you haven't checked it out, I highly encourage you to do that. 
along with uh, our new page called Dementia Chats, um, which is a webinar platform that is also free like the radio, where you can join into the conversation where I interview a bunch of people um, who have dementia so that we can get true insights as to what this disease is really like. So with no further ado, I want to introduce our first guest, who is Sherry Snelling. And I'm just so honored to have her with us on the show today. Sherry is uh, the CEO and founder of the Caregiving Club, and she's the author of the brand-new book, A Cast of Caregivers, Celebrity Stories to Help You Prepare for Care. She's a nationally recognized expert, on America's 100, or, uh, 65 million family caregivers with, with a special emphasis on how to help caregivers live a balanced life and, um, and do that while you're still caring for a loved one. Not an easy, an easy task. You can ask any of us who have been there. Sherry was recently recognized with me as one of the top 10 influencers on Alzheimer's by ShareCare. Uh, which is an online health and wellness um, platform with a bunch of experts. It was created by Dr. Oz and um, Jeff Arnold, and it's just a fabulous form. So if you haven't checked out ShareCare, you know, stick it in your Google search and, and look it up. Um, it's, it's just loaded with tons of information, lots of experts um, around um, leading in the industry have answered a ton of questions, and if you don't find your question there, pose one to them, and they'll get right back to you. Uh, Sherry is also the former chair of the National Alliance for Caregiving, and that's a leading caregiving advocacy nonprofit organization that was based in Washington, D.C. So welcome, Sherry. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful, Lori, and I'm thrilled to be here with you today. Yeah, this will be a fun, fun show. First of all, I have to say I love the title of your book um, and just the look of the book. It's a really uh, a very um, fun, and I think, uh, you know, in reading it and reviewing it, just the way you have it laid out, your, your chapters of your title are just so snappy, and I think they're going to pull readers right into it. So I'm I'm very excited to hear a little bit more about this book and what motivated you to write it? Well, thank you so much, first of all, for those comments, Lori. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell the, the listeners today uh, who probably haven't seen the book that, you know, I, I wrote this book for really two reasons. Um, the first reason is, you know, we know that caregivers don't have a lot of time to read, obviously. They're, they're juggling so many different responsibilities, including caring for their loved one. So I wanted to really give them a book that allowed them to read a chapter that that interested them or pertained to their current situation or what they might be going through or what they're looking for and not have to sit down and read the whole book. And one of the ways that I thought I would get the uh, readers interested in, in this book is by showcasing some of those famous names and faces out there that a lot of us know who have been through a caregiving situation. And, you know, when I started writing my blog, and I write for a lot of different online sites, um, the, the stories that got the most readership uh, were the ones where I had done interviews with celebrities. So that was kind of my aha moment. And I thought, maybe this is a way to get caregivers and also would-be caregivers. You know, we know that 
caregiving is a role that uh, we'll probably all play in our lives. And the famous quote you and I talked about was from Rosalind Carter, who famously said, you either have been a caregiver, you are a caregiver, you will be a caregiver, or someone will be caring for you. So in some way, we know caregiving is going to touch our lives. And I wanted to help people and readers prepare to care, and I thought the celebrity stories added an interest element that would capture their attention. Um, and the other thing is I, I thought the book really would help a lot of caregivers out there. You know, I like you, I do a lot of speaking around the country and talking to different support groups and organizations um, of caregivers. And the one thing I hear all the time is I feel all alone. And it's amazing to me that we've got this army of caregivers out there, 65 million strong, and yet almost universally they say, I feel alone. And I thought maybe this book will show them, you know, you're not alone. There definitely is a lot of help and resources, like the information you provide, Lori, uh, that will help caregivers. And also every single one of us, you know, no matter what our career is, where we live, what our age is, uh, you know, what we do for a living, we're all going to be touched by caregiving. And so we're, we're not alone, and we need to kind of band together um, to, to take care of our loved ones. So those, those were really my motivations for writing the book. And then I wove, I love movies and TV. I'm just a, uh, an entertainment junkie, if you will. <laughs> and so I, I, I really enjoyed kind of coming up with clever ways to talk about the different things um, that we face or the different roles that we're going to play, um, you know, throughout caregiving. So you're going to find a lot of those kind of pop culture references and TV and film references throughout the book, um, just to give a flavor to listeners. For instance, the, the chapter on caring for your parent is called Trading Places. And then the chapter on Alzheimer's caregivers is called Away From Her, which was that wonderful film with Julie Christie uh, that was done a few years ago that really spoke to, I think, the the heartbreak of Alzheimer's caregivers, and that was uh, a movie showcasing uh, a spouse who had a wife uh, who had Alzheimer's. So I yeah. thought that that would really engage the readers in kind of understanding the information and, and giving them a lot of the good science and research that's out there, but in an entertaining way. Well, and the thing that I liked about how you did your chapter titles, and I'm going to read a couple others off, too, because I just thought they were a hoot, um, is that you you have the chapter title, but then you explain underneath what it is. So when Harry met Sally, which is just, I think I thought just hilarious, is spousal and partner caregiving. Um, you've got brothers and sisters caring for um, adults, uh, young adults, um, far and away for the long-distance caregiver, um, brave hearts, uh, caregivers of veterans. So I, you've really just done, a, a, I think, just a marvelous job in in terms of engaging. I, I know I was really engaged throughout the whole book, and um, it was just I, I was anxious to get into it because um, because of your titles, because it it looked like it was going to be fun, and it wasn't going to be my normal you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da book that was going to overwhelm me, but that there was going to be a sense of humor um, lined in with this, in, um, but yet in a realistic fashion. And it just tied me into different things. So um, the lost generation for children as caregivers, you know, I, it was just it's very, very um, interesting the way that you, 
you went about it. So I give you kudos for that because that is not um, coming up with with chapter titles is not always an easy thing to do. I know for my own book that I'm in the process of writing, which I thought I was going to do in 2009, I couldn't come up with one chapter title that that made any sense. And then um, <laughs> this year now, I was doing a, a series of articles for somebody, and I. He said, well, just kind of, you know, outline some things. And he's like, these are book chapters. And I'm like, I know. And I was, like, so happy <laughs> because I struggled. Um, and it's so important because, I mean, that's one of the first things that any of us are going to look at when we go pick up a book is, you know, what what's what's in the guts of this thing. And so you've really done a nice job with, with your design and layout and, and um, thought in terms of oh. what's going to engage people and be different um, with it. So I thank you for that, and I, I wish you the most success about that. Let's talk a little bit about um, your blogs and what was getting kind of the most in attention from celebrity stories and, and also the desire to help the caregiver better prepare by providing some of those guideposts along the way for the caregiving journey. Because it's, you know, one of the things that, that I've heard over and over again um, from my audiences is Hello? Oh, Lori? Somehow I think I lost your audio. Can you hear me? So sorry. <clears throat> um, Lori, I think we're having a technical problem. Somehow the audio on my end, I can't hear you. I'm here. I'm so sorry. For some reason, it just went dead. No, it wasn't you. They're having technical difficulties, and oh, okay. I got cut off as the host because I, w- I was fine. So thank you for still being with us, and um, hopefully sure. everybody is still hanging out there. So we had gotten a notice earlier. I, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting a little blimp here. And <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> expecting to get cut off as the host. Um, oh. So thank you. Thank you for hanging tight. That's never happened before, but, you know, there's always a first. And it right. teaches us nothing else. It teaches us tolerance and patience. And uh, right. to know that you just have to keep marching forward. <laughs> That's so true. You have to know yeah. how to pivot. <laughs> yeah, so what a perfect, perfect example that was. Um, but what I was what I was trying to say before I got so rudely cut off <laughs> Um, was basically that um, a lot of people um, in the dementia world get really frustrated with celebrities um, standing up and a lot of companies taking the lead using celebrities as a face. 
And, and I think the reason they get frustrated is because there aren't learning lessons with them. It's just mm-hmm. the face. And mm-hmm. that's another nice thing that I think you did with the book, was sure. that there's learning lessons. And that, that's what I'd like to, you know, if you can maybe talk of, a, um, a, you know, give us a couple of examples of sure. um, some stories and, and what the lessons were. I think that would be sure. really helpful. Sure. Well, I think, you know, obviously that is an initial reaction. Even when I told family and friends I was going to be writing this book and and a big part of it would be some of these celebrity stories, their first reaction was, well, don't celebrities have a whole bunch of money, though, to, to handle all those things that us regular caregivers struggle with? And I guess the answer to that would be, <clears throat> you know, I didn't interview Tom Cruise and Julia Roberts, so let me just state that right up front. And I would suppose that they probably do have a lot of financial resources that that really are helpful. Um, But on the other hand, there's still a son or a daughter or a wife or a sister or a mother. And I I don't think that you can escape that emotional roller coaster that we all know you get on when you become a caregiver. You know, we all face a very fragmented health care system. It's frustrating. We go through, you know, sometimes sadness or depression or just that exhaustion and feeling overwhelmed. And I think that that's what binds us all together. So when I did these stories, what I tried to do was really pick different um, celebrities. And what I mean by different is each of the stories that you'll find in my book represent kind of a different aspect of caregiving because when we think of caregiving obviously we do think of caring for a parent Um, but you know there's a lot of ways that you can become a caregiver and so for instance um, Joan London who I'm sure everybody will recognize as the former host of Good Morning America and now she's kind of our ambassador if you will on healthy living Um, Joan was a long-distance caregiver she lived in uh, Connecticut and her mother is here in California, which is where I am. And um, and so she really struggled with that, not being there every day, not noticing the little signs. Her mother did have dementia, and um, she didn't recognize that until her brother had passed away, who had been living with her mom. And all of a sudden it became very clear to Joan, wow, there's something up here. And she her comment to me was, you know, it's hard when you're, caring long distance, and we know that 7 to 8 million caregivers are doing that job of caring long distance for a loved one, but you're you're not there every day, and everyone puts on a happy face, and you don't see the signs. So um, Joan's lesson learned, and what she told me is she said, first of all, I want to stress, and please get this message out in your book, she said, have that family conversation. It's difficult, it's hard, but you really do need to sit down with everyone who may be potentially involved in caring for a loved one and really talk through what the wishes are for, you know, whether it's your parent or, or even your spouse, you know, who's going to do what, um, how, to, how to help each other out through this caregiving journey. And particularly, as we know, with dementia and Alzheimer's, um, it's a very, very long caregiving journey typically. Uh, we do know that early onset Alzheimer's now can be diagnosed as early as, as in your 40s. I actually amazingly talked to a woman the other day who had a sister diagnosed in her late 30s. Um, 
and yet they can, you know, remain relatively healthy. So that might be a 40, maybe even a 50-year caregiving journey, and you really have to train, if you will, as a caregiver to run a marathon and not a sprint. But the, having that family conversation was really what, what Joan, uh, her advice was. She also said, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm a journalist, I'm used to doing research and, and getting prepared and knowing my subject, and she said, and yet I didn't have a clue where to start in helping my mom, and I didn't know where all the, the important paperwork was. She said, so you really have to become a detective. And it, again, if you can know where this information is <clears throat> or, or have that conversation where you understand this information ahead of time, you're going to save yourself a lot of uh, heartache and frustration and, and time um, in helping your loved one. And then her third lesson learned, which I call the Goldilocks syndrome, is something I think a lot of us probably fall into, and that is when it comes to um, helping your loved one figure out where is the best place for them uh, to, to grow older. And, you know, so many of us want to stay in our homes as long as possible. Um, there was an AARP report that said 80% want to do what we call age in place, which means live in your home uh, as long as you can. And yet sometimes that's not always possible. So, again, understanding what the desires are and then what's best. What happened with Joan and why I call it the Goldilocks syndrome is that often caregivers wind up going through a series of living arrangements for their loved one that may not be best and they have to move them, uh, you know, two or three times during the course of later life. And, and, and the science and the research shows us that that actually has a negative impact on your loved one's health. Every time they have to pack up and move, it, it really does um, impact them. So trying to figure out what's the best place that mom or dad uh, can be, where can they be, and then this will be their home for the rest of their life is the goal. But that's hard to do. What Joan did is she chose um, an assisted living facility, and she said, you know, it was beautiful. Her words, it was schmancy-fancy. It had a gorgeous dining room. Um, the little apartment my mom had was so cute. And she said, but my mom had sundowners. And for those of you out there listening who have a loved one with Alzheimer's, you may be experiencing this yourself where when dusk happens, <clears throat> the love, you know, our, uh, the person with Alzheimer's um, becomes paranoid, frightened. Um, sometimes they they either go into a rage or they might um, scream or cry, and it's very disturbing um, for everyone involved, including them. And so, when her mother came down to this beautiful dining room in this big, large facility, she didn't know anyone. She became very frightened, and it was very detrimental to her health. So Joan wound up after a series of different facilities that she had moved her mom to. She then went, took her to a dementia care facility, and that actually wasn't working out well either. She found a residential home. Um, they're often called board and care homes where there's only six or seven residents total. Um, it's actually in a home setting. And she originally thought, well, gosh, they're not going to be able to take care of my mom well here. It's It's kind of just like a a college dorm room kind of situation, but what she found is that her, her mom got more attention um, because there were fewer 
people for the healthcare professionals to look over. And her mother loved it because it reminded her of her own home. She felt comfortable again. So I think those are great lessons learned um, from Joan. You know, another story that I think a lot of readers will find fascinating is Sylvia Mackey. Now, she's not as well-known as some of the other names in my book, but uh, if you're a football fan, you probably know about John Mackey, who played football for the Baltimore Colts in the 60s and 70s. And he was a, a Super Bowl hero, back in, uh, I think it was 1971 or 72, and he's in the Hall of Fame. And what happened with John is he developed frontotemporal dementia, which um, can be caused by, uh, you know, um, head injuries. And so this was something where he was diagnosed in his 60s. And for Sylvia, uh, it it became, you know, obviously uh, very tough. She wanted to keep John at home. And there were two lessons learned that she told me about. One was John loved going to autograph signings. It really was his joy in life. He loved meeting people. He loved talking about football after he retired. And so when he developed the dementia, traveling obviously became a little frightening for Sylvia. She wasn't quite sure how he would react. And she tells me a story in the book about one incident where they're in the airport and John had his trademark cowboy hat and a Super Bowl ring on. And, of course, as we all know, when we travel, you have to practically strip down now to get through the airport security. And so they asked him to take these things off and put them in the uh, the bin to go through the scanner. And he thought, you know, again, with his dementia, he thought they were trying to rob him. And he became very mm. irritated and agitated. And um, he saw the overhead scanner that you walk through, and he, in his mind, he thought it was the goalpost on a football field. So he bolted and started running towards that scanner. Now, of course, the TSA, not realizing who he was or what was happening and, and what this man obviously suffered from, chased him down. Sylvia's crying, um, trying to tell them that he has dementia and the whole thing. One of the TSA agents actually took his gun out, so she was completely frightened that he would be shot. Oh. And, you know, oh. he's a big man. He was six foot four, you know, 200-something pounds, and he's dragging these TSA agents through the, through the oh. airport. Well, she finally was able to tell the TSA agents who he was, and they were in Baltimore, thank goodness, and he was, a, you know, he's a favorite son of Baltimore. So instead of taking him to jail, which was perfectly within their rights, they actually took him to the hospital. And Sylvia couldn't get into the ambulance with him, so she had to drive separately. When she finally got to the hospital, there's John, completely happy, signing autographs for the doctors and the nurses, and <laughs> having a great time. And she she originally thought, well, that's it. We can't travel anymore. This isn't going to work. But she thought, I cannot take this away from my husband. Look at him. He's so happy doing this. I've got to figure it out. So she actually called. What happened was she called the airports where they would have to travel, both the departure and arrival airports, explain to them her situation. And by the way, this is not for celebrities. This is for any of us out there. If you're traveling with a loved one, you don't want to give up a trip or something, all you have to do is a little planning ahead. And what those TSA uh, administrators and airport administrators did with her is worked out a way that John didn't have to go with the rest of the public through security. They took him through a private security check. They understood, you know, his dementia, that he wouldn't want to take off his cowboy hat. That was fine. And that was how she she was able to travel with her husband for the next 10 years. 
which I think was a wonderful story because this woman could have easily given up, but, you know, her courage took flight, and she decided, you know what, we're going to figure this out. And that's why I say there's a lot of resources um, out there if you just seek it out, and it does take, obviously, a little time, a little planning ahead. She always said she had to call at least a month ahead to make these arrangements, but it was so worth it. The other story she told me that I loved and hopefully the listeners will, and the readers of the book will love as well, is that her husband, as with many dementia patients, developed incontinence uh, later in his disease, and that becomes a real tipping point for caregivers to keep a loved one at home. It's a very difficult um, situation to go through with your loved one. And um, John didn't really realize what the incontinence was about, and he refused to wear the adult diapers and take the medication. He had always been a big anti-drug fan, and so he didn't want to take any kind of medication. And Sylvia was at her wit's end because she was cleaning up day and night. And she thought, okay, how am I going to solve this one? So I thought this was pretty brilliant. She knew her husband was completely dedicated to the NFL. He'd served as a player, and he'd also worked for the NFL as the head of the Players Association for years. So what she did one night is she drafted a letter <clears throat> from the then um, commissioner of the NFL and put the adult diapers and the medication into a box and put NFL stickers on it and set it outside of their door one night. And then the next morning she gets up, goes, says, gets the package and says, oh, honey, look, something arrived for you from the NFL. And he said, oh, well, read me the letter. So she takes the letter out and she said, oh, the NFL is testing this new underwear for retired players, and they'd like you to start wearing these and give them feedback as to how it feels. And they've also sent some vitamins for the retired players to keep you healthy and strong. And she said from that day forward she had no problem getting her husband to go along with what she needed to do to, to manage his incontinence. And I, I think those are great stories for all of us to show us that there are solutions if you just get a little creative. <laughs> Yep. Oh, that's that's wonderful. I would actually love to connect with her. I've been in conversations with Carl Eller, um, who I just met at a fluke, uh, a blogging class that I took to, and and uh, our group, well, this is probably five years ago, we still get together um, several times a year and just catch up, and, and Carl is just an extreme advocate um, for the Players Association, um, Retired Players Association, and really sees, you know, the head injury problems and the potential dementia um, with this. And it would be interesting to have her and Carl both on the show to discuss yeah. that aspect um, if she, well, if she would of, ever be open to that. Oh, I'm sure she would. You know, she talks uh, frequently on behalf of the NFL. One of the, the things I didn't tell you that I think, again, is very inspirational about her story is not only did she manage caring for her husband in very creative ways, but she also lobbied the NFL to adopt uh, more support and help for retired players. You know, we think about football players, we think, oh, my God, they make so much money. Millions of dollars. Well, you know, back in the 60s and 70s when her husband played, those salaries weren't there. And, in fact, uh, her husband made in his 10-year career playing about the same amount that a, you know, a bench warmer, third string player makes today in one season. And so they weren't rolling in the dough to care for him. And she did get the NFL 
to recognize this. And actually, 88 plan is named in her husband's honor. 88 was his jersey number he wore throughout his career. And the 88 plan from the NFL is, is a really uh, innovative healthcare plan, a long-term care plan, really, for those players who have dementia, Alzheimer's, ALS, or Parkinson's. And it affords a certain amount of money for either in-home care or um, uh, facility care uh, for those players. And so that was really because of Sylvia's passionate plea to the NFL to take care of their own. And so she's really a a heroine in a lot of ways um, when it comes to caregivers. Wow, that's that's very interesting. Um, yeah, I would I would love love to have a conversation with her and um, help her. You know, if she's still on the cause and and building that. Um, one of the things I'm doing is rolling out dementia friendly businesses, which is all businesses because this is a an unmasked um, disease and people don't realize that dementia is before them when people are out in public. If it's at the gas station or the grocery store. Or, you know, in a sports arena or a movie theater or, a, you know, a, you're getting your hair done. Um, we're going through the airport, like you said. Um, people need to be educated. And not that they're going to have all the answers, but they need to have a lot more compassion and know how to approach this and have some tools and some resources at hand to assist them through this process and a place to go. And um, I just think it's so critical. Um, you know, I've been watching this <laughs> this whole trend for 30 years now with my mom, and we've made, you know, some some nice strides, but we just have so, so far to go, in my opinion, and there's just such a critical, critical need out there. So, again, I love the way that you've you've taken these celebrities and actually, you know, um, have a story to tell with some, with some valid points and some teaching lessons, and I love, you know, like how she just didn't give up. It's like, I have to do this. This is important for him. This brings him comfort. This brings him joy. This brings him purpose. There's got to be a way in terms of thinking out of the box, taking a little extra time up front, and then it becomes routine. Um, right. Instead of, you know, letting somebody fade away or get angry and frustrated, um, you know, to really let them live life. And as a care partner, it makes our life so much easier too and then you live through their joy as well and so it's it's a pretty cool process i think this disease is here to teach us if we're willing to learn and, i think so uh, too Lori. yeah i think so too and as as you know being such a, a passionate advocate for dementia and alzheimer's and, and their givers you know we're all living longer we know that and we also know the statistics tell us that one out of every two of us will develop dementia after the age of 85. So the prospect of potentially having this disease hit your family is huge. And I think what what is um, hard for caregivers of those with dementia, you know, it's hard to take any one disease and say it's harder than the other, you know, whether you have heart disease or cancer, or MS or Parkinson's, but with with Alzheimer's, because it affects the brain and because I think our society is still, the brain is a mystery to us. And brain-related illnesses, whether it's mental illness, whether it's Alzheimer's, dementia, whether it's uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome or disorder with our veterans, we don't understand it. And because there's no outside wounds, you know, you can't see 
<clears throat> the bald head from someone who has cancer and has gone through chemotherapy. You can't see the ravages of, of diabetes, uh, you know, that, that is obvious with some folks. It's just you could look completely normal, but it's what's going on inside your brain. I think this is where we can really help other understand and bring these things out help caregivers reach out. I think there's, you know, a lot of dementia and Alzheimer's caregivers I've talked to, and I'm sure you, you've heard this as well, have felt a little bit that there's a stigma still attached to this disease, and people don't know enough about it. And I'm so encouraged because, again, I know celebrities, a lot of us are eyes, but, you know, when you get Jodie Foster in front of a worldwide audience at the Golden Globe Awards, Telling people essentially that her mother has dementia and giving that heartfelt message to her mom through that camera, I love that because all of a sudden, it again, it makes us see we're all in this together, and it rose, it it, it, it raised a lot of awareness for people who didn't understand what dementia is about, and so I like it when. We have high-profile people, whether it's Charlton Heston, Ronald Reagan, Glenn Campbell, uh, you know, Dear Abby, who recently passed away. Um, we start to see that this is a disease that can touch us all and we need to understand it better. So that's what encourages me about the element of this. It's interesting you brought up Jodie Foster because one of the things that, that I, I found um, incredible with her, because I, I just have such respect for her, um, as an as an actress and a director and and so forth, but when they they panned the audience, the tears oh, and yes. the pain because she touched so many people by making those comments and and that's not just oh poor Jody and her mom that's I'm going through that too you know yep. or that's really close and it could be um, she really reached out on an emotional level. And um, even though she was kind of rambling about a lot of things, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, when she got criticized for that, that moment was so powerful because you could just see it in everybody's face. A, they were shocked that she would talk so publicly about her private life. And then to be that intimate, I mean, yeah. it was it was pretty big. And, you know, that's really what Alzheimer's Speaks is all about, is trying to get that everyday intimate conversation going um, where it's honest and it's raw and it's real and the good, the bad, the ugly all comes out in it because, you know, that's life um, if you've got Bye. dementia or not. And so it's really about having an honest conversation and removing the fear and just saying it's okay to talk about this stuff. Right. And um, so I... I thank you so much for for joining our conversation um, with this. I do want to get back to to your book a little bit here um, because again, I just think it's a a great um, it's a great book. And although it doesn't all have to do with Alzheimer's, one of my big things in life is um, I believe we're all caregivers, you know, from the moment that we're conceived. And so there's so much to learn from all these other stories because. Giving care is a basic skill set, and then you just have to apply it and tweak it to whatever situation you're in and make some choices. And so I think there's lessons from a lot of other stories in the book. Um, So I I don't want our listeners to think, oh, there's just one chapter here. Right, right. You know, they'll continue to learn. 
Right. Well, and, and <clears throat> you know, thank you for bringing that up. Um, there are other celebrity stories. For instance, I, again, I wanted to show the spectrum of caregiving. So when it comes to the celebrity chapters, you've got Marg Helgenberger, who is the wonderful redheaded actress that starred on CSI on television for years. And she was actually a young caregiver. Her mother was diagnosed with cancer in high school. And one year later, her, her father was diagnosed with very aggressive multiple sclerosis. So here's this young woman going to college on the verge of starting her life and all of a sudden throwing chaos, if you will, of caregiving for both parents simultaneously. I found her story very poignant because she's a strong, capable, wonderful woman, and we saw that through her acting on CSI, but when she spoke to me, all of a sudden her voice, she became a 20-year girl again. It was amazing. She was so vulnerable and so emotional um, and almost not even a way about it. And, and so it's a great story. And then we have, you know, David Osmond is the oldest of the Osmond brothers, the baby boomers who remember the Osmond boys. He was the oldest. And at age 38, he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. What is amazing to me is that his middle son, David, was also diagnosed with multiple sclerosis at age 26. So I spoke to both of them and what I wanted to do with that particular story is really flip caregiving, if you will, on its head and talk to the care receivers. How do they look at their wives and their other family members who have stepped up to help them and really get their perspective? And I thought their stories were really interesting. And then we've got Alana Stewart, who was the best friend of Sarah Fawcett, and as many of us know, um, she put her life literally on hold for three years to chase cancer treatments around the world. Um, you know, the the documentary they did, they went to Germany. But, you know, it's a very rare friend that will do that. But there are a lot of caregivers out there who are friends. They're not a family member. They're a friend. And then there's other stories. Jill Eikenberry and Michael Tucker, those wonderful actors from L.A. Law back in the 90s, and they, they continue to um, do a lot of stage and film acting. I thought their story was fantastic because it really showed what it takes to be a good caregiver and what it does take in a lot of instances is that spousal support. It's Jill's mom that they're caring for with dementia, um, but Mike was there all the way. And his, he, his comment to me was, Jill's job became caring for her mom and my job became caring for Jill. And I can't think of a better statement for a husband and wife team who are trying to to provide caregiving for a loved one. So all of these stories, again, show all the different uh, aspects of caregiving. And then the middle section of the book is what I call the kind of the what to expect when you're caregiving type of guide, and and I think that's where you were headed um, when you kicked this off because the celebrity stories get you engaged, but, you know, what – should we prepare for? What do we need to know is ahead? And, you know, it's funny to me because we go through life and, you know, we, we have a lot of things we need to prepare for. Maybe you're prepared to go to college and there's a lot of steps you need to take to get there. And maybe you prepare to get married. And when you fall in love, you've got months of time to plan your wedding. When you become a parent, you have nine months at least to plan for your baby. When you become a caregiver, you might have a matter of minutes before you're thrust into, you know, this, this storm of caregiving. And I, my hope with the book is to open up people, you know, 
aren't in it maybe yet um, but need to understand what's coming. And if you are involved in caregiving right now, then, then there are certain chapters that might help you or guide you or at least just give you comfort, again, to show you you're not alone and a lot of people are going through this. So that's the whole middle section of the book that I dedicated to a variety of different things that happen in caregiving, um, everything from, again, you know, alternative and senior housing, um, you know, senior driving issues, which which is a big challenge for a lot of caregivers. I call that chapter, going back to the movie theme, I call that one Driving Miss Daisy. Then I have a whole <laughs> chapter on, <laughs> you know, how to deal with work if you're working. Um, as we know, seven out of ten caregivers are. Um, you know, do you tell your boss? Do you not tell your boss? What help might your work give you if you're caregiving? Um, so there's a whole section on, on working caregivers and a section on technology, a section on disaster planning, which a lot of us don't think about when it comes to caregiving, but we need to um, because there are special considerations. Um, And then something that I thought was really interesting, and again, this comes from my blogs, two of the blogs I wrote that got so much attention were really what we call alternative therapies. And I loved your show last week where you spoke to the woman who is a music therapist. And, you know, I have a section, a chapter dedicated to music therapy and also pet therapy which we know is so beneficial for a lot of different um, disorders or diseases, whether it's Alzheimer's or autism or, or other things. And so it really I wanted to give you, here's the world of caregiving. And then, again, you can do the chapter that interests you or pertains to you right now. You don't have to read the whole thing. You might just pick it up and read one chapter for now, but you have this book as kind of your, your go-to guide. Well, that's wonderful, and it's a big book. I mean, it's how many pages is it again? It's a lot. I'm almost afraid to <laughs> to tell people because they'll say, "Oh my gosh!" I, but again, you don't have to read the whole thing. It's 550 pages, um, but each chapter is anywhere from five to maybe ten pages at the most. There's also within the, that 550, there's a whole glossary of terms. You know, one of the things I found, I've been in the healthcare world now for the last dozen years or so. I worked for one of the largest health and wellness companies, and that's how I got into a lot of the research and and the working with different caregivers around the country. And I found that um, there's a lot of little acronyms that get thrown around and a lot of phrases that (laughs) doctors will throw at you and don't explain to you. They just expect you to know. It's like, well, I didn't go to medical school. Um, so I wound up keeping this little cheat sheet with me because I'm in a meeting and everyone's using these acronyms and I am having a hard time keeping the alphabet soup. So I started keeping my cheat sheet and I thought, you know, this would be helpful for caregivers out there who don't know what certain terms might mean. Might mean. And so there's a whole dictionary glossary, if you will, of terms in the back that, and, and also a whole list of resources with all the websites for different things that caregivers might need and, and a lot of the things that I point out in the book. So, um, so again, don't, don't be um, intimidated by the size because, uh, you know, each chapter is short and sweet and you can get good information uh, from that. So, it, And even though this book is, I mean, it's big and there's, there's a ton of information and when we think of a big book, we think of overwhelming um, Sherry has really chunked it down, and it's really kind of like a chicken soup book. I mean, it has that flavor to it where you can pick it up and read this or you can reference that, and it's really simple, and it's a, it's it's friendly. It's not going to overwhelm you. 
um, where, you know, some of the books out there are like, oh, my gosh, really? (laughs) Where do I start? Or I know I need this information, but it's so technical it's going to put me to sleep. You're not going to have that problem with this book. It's going to be an enjoyable, useful um, tool, something that you're probably not going to want to pass on because you are going to use it as a resource. You're probably going to have little sticky pads and yellow highlights, and you're going to share it with family and friends and say, you know, you can have it, but you got to sign it out because I want it back. It's going to be, there's very few books that I have like that, and this book would be one of those. I, I can literally name one other book that I, I rarely let out of my sight because I just love it, and that's Dr. Richard Taylor's um, book, from the Alzheimer's from the Inside Out just because it's mm-hmm. loaded with so many great little things. And, um, you know, and so I, again, I highly recommend, um, and I haven't seen the, the physical book yet because it's, I, I just saw it right. in the PDF format, but it's, and, and when I saw the number of pages, I kind of went, oh, you know, initially. Right. And then I, and then it was like, oh, this is a, this is an easy read. This is really comfortable. This woman gets it. And she's speaking my language because I I have a real issue with um, the medical profession trying to force the public to to talk, you know, their speak. Um, I really think that that needs to change in a a very big way. And so, you know, I I love all the information and resources and things that you you have available um, for, for people. I do want to throw out, because I can't believe we've, we've only got about 10 minutes left here, if anybody in our audience has a question that they would like to ask, um, please feel free to go ahead and call in, and um, we, will, we will get your questions answered as soon as possible. In fact, it looks like there might be somebody on the line here. So let me see. I've got somebody from a 281 number on the line. Um, two eight one number. Are you calling with a question at all? You're live on the air, and if not, that's okay. So okay, well I'll go ahead and put you back on hold. <laughs> not a problem. Um, now Sh- Sherry is willing to uh, give a couple of her books away, and so I think the best way to do that is we are going to. Uh, go ahead and send you to her website. And the first two people that contact her, um, she'll go ahead and ship a book out to uh, you. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, I would definitely go to her website. And Sherry, can you tell people what what the uh, the website is that they should scoot to? Sure. It's, um, it's called caregivingclub.com. And um, that's the kind of name, if you will, that I write under, uh, caregivingclub.com. So you can go there. You can also send me an email. Whether you go to the website or or send me an email, it comes the same way. So it will all be fair, if you will, for the free book. Um, And my email address I'll give out is sherry, S-H-E-R-R-I, at caregivingclub.com. Dot com. And, you know, before we break, Lori, too, I wanted to just quickly say we've talked so much about what's in the book. There's a third section that is dedicated to what my mantra is and my mission, which is really, okay, so you know all this about caregiving. You've read these celebrity stories. You know now what to expect. 
but how do you care for yourself? Because that is such a huge challenge, as we know, for caregivers. And so I just wanted to make sure that readers understood, I really give you a lot of tips, a lot of techniques, including something I call Me Time Monday, which you can read in the book, um, but it's a whole uh, technique, if you will, around taking care of yourself and, and using Monday as your set point to check in with yourself, and that's in association with a group I work with called um, the Happy Mondays Campaign, and I help them launch the Caregivers Monday initiative, and my, my part of that is the Me Time Monday. So um, I didn't want to miss that because I did want readers to understand that, again, I think the self-care aspect of caregiving is so important because, after all, if we if we don't take care of ourselves, we won't be there to take care of our loved ones, and that's not the goal. So you really have to find that balance. It's like a seesaw. If you visualize a seesaw in your mind, you've got all your responsibilities. It might be career. It might be children. Certainly it's caregiving. And then all those responsibilities are on one side of the seesaw, and you're on the other. And you can't let either tip out of balance. You've got to keep balance on that seesaw. So that's what I, I ask first to think about when they feel like they might be neglecting themselves. Wonderful. Now, it looks like, uh, let me see, we might have another caller on the line here. There's somebody from a 704 number, 704, you're live on the air. Did you have hey, a question? Hey, Lori, it's Steve Thomas. How are you doing today? Good, good. How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing good. I just wanted to let Sherry know that um, the part that she talked about when she talked with the Osmonds and got the patient's point of view and got their perspective, how important that is to the world and it just really touched me because me being a dementia patient, being able to hear that there are people out there that are doing that, it's just it, it it's just phenomenal because, you know, we've got this wonderful stigma about people with dementia and everything, and having her write her book with a patient's point of view in there, it just, it, it just touched my heart, and I just wanted to thank her for doing that. Well, oh, thank you for that comment. Yeah, that's really, and you know, um, that was really, <clears throat> that was important to me because I've heard that from both the caregivers but also the loved ones is is that, you know, hey, I'm I'm not invisible. <laughs> I'm still part of this. And it is a team effort. So as much as we are focusing on caregivers and, and what they need to know, you're absolutely right. It's important to really take into consideration your loved one. And I also have a chapter in the book that I think you'll like, and I call it the care conversation, and each, you know, C-A-R-E. And that also speaks to, listen, you, you need to listen to your loved one. You need to ask the questions. You need to understand where they're coming from in order to, to be the best caregiver. And so I, I really do respect the person both with the disorder, the diagnosis, as well as the caregiver. So thank you for that comment. Not a problem. I just wanted to throw that in. Thank you. You guys have a wonderful day. You too. Steve is one of our our experts on our Dementia Chats, which is a webinar platform that is free to the public. And we do those um, shows uh, the second and the fourth Tuesday of every month. And uh, you can find Dementia Chats on Facebook or you can go to my website, alzheimerspeaks.com. And all those episodes are recorded, but it's just amazing because <clears throat> that platform is specific to giving the um, the person diagnosed a voice, and they are teaching so many people so much about the disease and what it's really like. It's it's amazing, and these um, these webinars now um, through 
through these brave souls. We've got uh, Harry Urban and Rick Phelps and uh, Dina Dotson and and um, several others that are um, planning on joining us as well um, on the show, sharing their their real lives, their real experiences with us. And people are using them for family meetings to get the families talking. They're using them for support groups. They're using them for training staff. Doctors are um, listening and watching them as well and saying they, they, they cannot believe the information and the insight that they're gaining out of these conversations. So um, very important to include the patients <laughs> with this. So you've done um, just a, a fabulous job sharing information with us today. Any last comments that you would um, care to share with our audience? Well, I just, you know, again, I just want to first of all thank everybody who has listened in today, Lori. I think what you're doing is phenomenal to get the word out that help people because that's what it's all about. We need to help each other. Um, you know, we're all, again, can be touched by caregiving. And, and also, um, again, just to, uh, you know, I, I think that the, the, the recipe, if you will, for caregiving includes three elements that are critical. One is certainly knowledge. We need to educate ourselves, educate others about maybe the disorder or disease our loved one has so that there is greater understanding in our society. So knowledge is key. Communication is critical. We have to communicate with each other, communicate with our loved ones, um, and, and that's essential. And then the third element is self-care. You have to learn how to take care of yourself. It's, it's the easiest thing to say and the hardest thing to do, but there are ways to achieve that. And so those, that's the recipe that, that I would give to caregivers those three things in mind, um, you know, it, it will definitely help, and that's what we're all here to do is to help. Wonderful. I'm going to give the 281 number one more chance if they want to ask a question. Sometimes people get nervous. And so 281, if you want to ask a question or make a comment, now is your time. Don't feel like you have to, um, but I just want to be able to give you that opportunity as well. This is actually Jordan. Oh hi Jordan, how you doing? Well, Jordan is our next, is our next guest, so I'm going to put you on hold for just a second, Jordan. And um, I didn't okay. recognize your number, and um, and okay. we will talk shortly. Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, well, again, Sherry, I thank you so much for your time today. It's just been a wonderful conversation. I could talk to you all day. And um, you know, I hope to I hope to meet you someday. I, I just think what you're doing is absolutely fabulous and I, I wish you the the most success with your book. Now how do people uh get your book? Is it to go to your website or is it on sure. Amazon? It is. If you go to my website, there's several different ways you can purchase the book. Um you can get it from Amazon dot com, Barnes and Noble dot com. Um a lot of local booksellers will also have it and it is available in both uh, the, the paperback edition, the soft cover edition, and ebook format. So if you've got a Kindle or a Nook, you can download it as well. Wonderful. Well, great. Well, we will. I'll be posting this on the blog and pushing out the contact information. I did put in the chat box again um, both her, her website and her email. So maybe someone's even um, gone there to to get the book because she will give away two books free to the first two people. Um, just you know, note that you um, commented or were part of the, the show here today. That would be great. And do you want to give those uh, addresses out one more time, Sherry? 
Sure. Uh, the website address is caregivingclub.com, and my email is sherry, S-H-E-R-R-I, at caregiving.com. Just for the two people who do contact me, I don't have my books in yet. I should be getting them in this week, so you should expect to get your free book within about a week and a half, two weeks. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you again for all you're doing. Please uh, keep me posted, and um, we will talk soon, okay? Great. And thanks, Lori, again. It's an honor to be on your show, and I'm also a huge fan of yours, so I really appreciate talking to your listeners today. Great. Thank you so much for your time. Bye now. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, we're going to go on to our next guest here, and I'm just very excited um, to introduce you to this this next gal. She is a, a teenager um, on a mission, and we are going to hear a lot from Jordan. Uh, Jordan Dennis is a 17-year-old who is a, currently a junior at Sci-Fi, uh, Sci-Fair ISD, and she'll graduate next year. And she wrote a poem called Alzheimer's, which was published in the Sci Falls Creative Writing um, Magazine in 2010-2011. Uh, and she was elected for her senior class as a student council representative. Jordan has been in choir and theater for years, um, but she really has put things on hold to focus on the Purple Rain Project and just graduating from high school. She aspires to be a pastry chef, and she hopes uh, to study uh, the art in Europe in the future. So we'll all pull in for you. But today, Jordan is going to share with us um, her poem and um, her Purple Rain Project. And so, Jordan, let me pull you into the show here. How are you doing Hello. today, Jordan? Hi, I'm, I'm just I'm good. so excited to have you with us here today. Um, I'm excited to be here too. Well, good, good. Can you tell our audience a little bit about the Purple Rain Project and just what is it? The Purple Rain Project that I'm working on is to help teenagers like me who care give or help their parents care give for someone in their family with Alzheimer's to get support groups in schools to help them realize that there's other teenagers like them, they have other people they can talk to, and also to get educational programs for Alzheimer's in schools, you know, I guess around the world, because I have interviewed teenagers and I've noticed that not a lot of people really understand what Alzheimer's is. They think it's just losing memory when there's so much more to it. And that's what I'm trying to get done here, well, I guess starting here in Texas, but I'm trying to get everywhere because I want to help teenagers know that they're not alone. Oh, that's wonderful. That's a that's a big mission, um, and you know I'll do anything that I can to to help you with the process because I I so believe there is just such a massive massive need in terms of in terms of educating people because I know even you know when my my mom's had dementia for thirty years, um, and my daughter has only known her her grandma with memory problems, but. We still, I think, tried to protect her from that without even knowing we were doing that. Um, and, you know, she was real little, so I don't think it was as big of a deal. Um, but when I go into the high schools and speak, um, I hear the frustration 
um, and how much mm-hmm. kids want to be a part and they want to know what's going on and they want to be able to help, but no one's telling them what's going on. So can you tell us a little bit about your personal situation and how, you know, how did you get involved um, with dementia? Well, I guess when I was really little, my grandmother, um, her name is Gertrude, but we call her Trudy. She was diagnosed with Alzheimer's about 10 years ago, I believe. And I can remember some things about her when I was little about her not having that problem, but I can't really remember much. But I guess having to deal with, you know, realizing she every day you could be someone new or you could look like someone she knows, it's just, I mean, it hurts sometimes, but I've learned that, you know, she can't help it and it's a disease and stuff like that. But she... She's a nice person, and anybody that I've met with Alzheimer's has their moments. But most of all, they're really sweet and kind people, and it kind of doesn't make much sense to me that some people don't really understand what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. No, it's, it is it is interesting, and I think one of the things that that I see with kids that, you know, I think you guys have so much to teach us about how to care for one another because you don't see a lot of things that adults see because adults categorize things and they judge things a lot more, um, especially the younger kids. Um, you know, they just want to go in and play and have a good time, and they don't care if somebody is in a wheelchair or disabled or a different color or you know, has different color hair or, you know, they just want to have fun and they want to play. Mm -hmm. And then as we age, you know, we start getting a little bit more judgmental and putting people into categories. And so I think think, uh, kids have a lot to teach us. And I, I think our children today are much more accepting of a diverse world. Um, then, you know, people even my age in, in their 50s and older. Um, and so I think, like I said, I think you've got a ton to teach us. Now, Jordan, I, I didn't ask you this before, and I probably should have, um, but I'm wondering if it would be okay if we read your poem. And I can, I can either read it or, or if you have it and want to read it, I would love to, for you to read it as well. Would you be comfortable with that? Yeah, I would. I don't actually have it in my hand right now, so if you wouldn't mind, it would help me if you could read it for me. Okay, not a problem, not a problem. And it's called Alzheimer's, and it's just such a touching poem. And I'll try not to cry (laughs) when I read it. I love her very much. She's my angel. No, she has not left me for the man in the sky, but she's been driving on the road, a never-ending road a road with all of her memories flying past her. She stops, jumps out of the car, running after them, and then realizing she's lost. Forget where she is, forgetting who she is, and has forgotten her daughter, son, 50-year lover, and me, her granddaughter. I see her alone, walking. As fast as I can, getting close and closer to screaming, Are you all right? With a blank face staring back at me, she whispers, I can't talk to strangers, and then walks away. I'm going to cry now. (laughs) That is so powerful. (laughs) Um, And I posted this poem on the blog, and the comments from people, um, 
and your insight. It's it's really a well done poem. Really, really well. Thank you. What what drew you to to write the poem? Was there a specific moment in time? Well, I think for me when I was writing that poem I thought about all the you know, good times I had with my grandmother, but how it upsets me. She can't remember all of them like I can. And I'm not going to lie and say that when she turns to me and asks me who I I am or when she calls me, you know, different names of people I don't know, then it, it breaks my heart. And I've figured, you know, some people, this is an opportunity to write something to where people can understand where I'm coming from. And I, hopefully I got that message across. Mhm. I think you I think you did a, a wonderful wonderful job with that. Um can you tell us um in a little bit more detail about the Purple Rain project and you know the concept for the idea. I mean, did you just wake up one morning and go Purple Rain, you know, or are you a Prince fan or is it the Purple Rain project because purple is the Alzheimer's color and it was raining that day? How did you come up with the title? Well, this whole project, I didn't, you know, wake up and decide I wanted to make a difference. It was something over time that I realized and started seeing how this disease is bad. And it's not, you know, it's an emotional toll on everybody who deals with it. But I realized that not a lot of kids knew about it. And I knew that I didn't know if there were other kids like me because I've, you know, I've been to a support group that my mom goes to, and she was the youngest one before I went. And sitting there and having so much to say and couldn't because all I could do was cry to them, you know, it's upsetting. But I let kind of God take the, I let God take the project, and if he wanted it to happen, it would happen with me. So to come up with the name, my mom said, make sure you pray to God and he'll let you know what it is. So I started searching things up about Alzheimer's. Um, I found out, I think there's a walk here in Houston on September 21st, which is my nephew's birthday. And mm-hmm. I thought, hmm, that's a coincidence. So I was like, what is the color of this? And it's purple. So I searched up the definition of purple. And I don't know why it showed up this time, but it didn't any other time I looked it up. But there was this definition <laughs> called purple rain. And it was confusion, loss, and feeling trapped. And right when I read that, I knew that was the name, the Purple Rain Project because that is exactly what I feel my grandma probably feels all the time. And for us, people who caregive with people with Alzheimer's, that is also how we feel, because we don't really realize that there's other people around the world that go through the same exact thing as us. So we keep Mm -hmm. to ourselves and we don't talk to anybody else about it, which is what I want to change. Yep, definitely needs to change, that's for sure. Somebody in the chat box just uh, said, bless you, Jordan, big heart. (laughs) Sending you love for what Thank you're you. doing. Um, so, what what are your plans with Purple Rain? Um, maybe we should start first with um, you've done a video, and mm-hmm. why the video, and and what's the video about? Well, I've done um, three videos actually. One of them is for the main subject of the Purple Rain project, and it kind of makes you. I just want to listen in and see what it is. It's the informational video, and it's me explaining what I want to do and what I want to get done and how you can help with me. Then I have another one with kids who have sent in pictures 
of themselves with the Purple Rain Project written on them, some like their arm or their hand or their leg. And I've gotten them from numerous different states. And then I have another one that I thought people would enjoy, and it's of me and my grandmother. We're sitting at a table and we're talking. But I ask her different questions every now and then, and you can see that she's not fully there, that this disease has kind of taken over a little bit because she mentions how she thinks I'm 13 and how she thinks it's 1965. And she also says that Alzheimer's disease is just like the flu. It's something Mm -hmm. you can get vaccinated for and you don't need to talk about it. So those three videos kind of show you that there's people that care. This is a little bit of what happens with the disease, and this is how you can help me, and this is what my project's about. So y'all can see that on YouTube if you type in the Purple Rain Project. Okay, and it is the Purple Rain Project, not just Purple Rain, correct? Yes, yes, ma'am. It has nothing to do with Prince. I've never seen that movie, and there's no relevance to it. <laughs> okay, well, I just want to make sure because otherwise they'll get they'll get um, print stuff all over. So yeah, you need to put the word in yeah. the purple rain. Um, Leanne is asking: Is Jordan involved in a support group for youth who are affected by the disease? And so, have you found any support groups specifically for uh, for people your age? I have not found any support groups here in Texas. I'm not sure about any other state, but so far here in Texas, there are no support groups for teenagers which is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to do. So today okay. we were out and about trying to get things done for this project. Great. Yeah, you. Um, I talked to your mom this morning, and you guys were out. Um, well, tell us what you were doing this morning, because I, I, I love your energy <laughs> and your spunk and your vision, and I just think it's really cool. I think you're going to inspire a lot of other kids um, to get involved. So tell us what you were running around doing this morning. Well, today, since, you know, we had the radio show and I couldn't really go to school and get back in time for it, so we went around and we went to a church, we went to a Walmart, and we went to two different Starbucks, and we put up flyers, and we were explaining about the project, and then we went to a home, a assistant living home, I believe, and Mm -hmm. we talked to her about it, and we kind of had and inside of what we can do about the project and what we're planning on doing. And she was giving me some advice and some tips on how to get children involved with Alzheimer's patients. And then we went to these, we went to the Scyther ISD um, district, and we mm-hmm. talked to some of the nice ladies and assistants there, and they showed us different ways how we can show the school that we're trying to make a difference and we need their help because we can't do it without them. So we're kind of just showing everybody here around the community that we're here and we want you to listen, and we're not going to stop until you do listen. And soon enough, if it gets big in Houston, it'll get big somewhere else. That's what we're trying to do right now. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, Well, and and Jordan and I have talked about uh, maybe doing a webinar um, series and getting her involved where we can pull uh, kids in and pull their families in, as uh, as well as the rest of the world, um, to be, you know, to help her raise this voice and um, get this mission off the ground because it's just so, so important. Um, Harry is saying Jordan is such a wonderful spokesperson for this disease. Um, 
Let's see, it's so heartwarming that our youth are beginning to understand the disease. And Harry's living with the disease, and he's he's one of the mm-hmm. um, panel experts that I have on Dementia Chats who's actually um, living with Alzheimer's. And so it's it's very fun. I mean, I'm just in a great position where I get to meet so many passionate people, um, you know, working mm-hmm. all for the same end goal. And so it's very, very fun to do. Um, how can how can people support you, and in terms of helping you, is there something we can do right now, or um, are you are you in the process of building a plan out? What where are things sitting, Jordan? Well, right now the way people can help us is especially students or parents of you know teenagers that go to high school or maybe even middle school if they are taking a health class or they know they have a health book and they can Mm -hmm. check it out and they can snapshot what they have on Alzheimer's in it and send it to our either our website or our email address, then that will help us see where each school is in each state with being educated on it. Or we can, you know, try to start support groups on our own, you know, in schools trying to get each principal to allow, you know, letting a teacher sit in while students talk about what they're going through with one another. I mean, and the best thing right now is to get it out wherever you live and tell everyone you know about this project. So the more people that know about it and the more people talk about it, the better it is for us to make a difference. It just would be so much easier if somebody did those kind of things, you know? Yeah, it, it really is the little things I think that people don't realize um, the importance of, because it really is as simple as having the conversation. You know, that's that's all we're really asking anybody to do is just have the conversation and and be a little bit more on alert um, for, you know, what's going on. You know, put on that little CSI hat and be an investigator and, and try to help people find that peace and calm uh, not only for the person with dementia, but those caring for them because they need our love and support as well, um, you know, through this process. And I, I think, oh, gosh, if we could get um, a program in the school um, with with Jordan and others like her, you know, speaking what it's like and, and to remove that fear so that our children don't grow up um, wrapped in fear like my generation is. You know, others I mean, mm-hmm. I have two brothers that are still paralyzed by fear over my mom's dementia. They've had thirty years to deal with it and they still can't grasp it. And so if we can alleviate that and um you know, raise this awareness um through your campaign and, and through collaboration with others, that'll just be absolutely, absolutely huge. Um Jordan, are there some other things that you want to tell us about your project? Or, Well, we're kind of the educational part of it is so the care, because my generation is the next caregivers. Our parents, mm-hmm. we don't know how many of them could get this disease. And I want them to realize what they're going up against because it's not something easy and it, it takes an emotional and physical toll on you. But also in order for them to realize that they have someone there, and that they can learn more about it without being scared of what they're going to find, is if parents go and talk to their teenagers if they know that they're, you know, experience problems with this. 
they can see how they're feeling with it because I know that I don't, when I'm not feeling well or I'm upset, the first thing I don't do is go and talk to my parents about it. I kind of, you know, keep it inside and eventually I don't, it will break. And I don't Mm -hmm. want that happening with kids like me, especially when you're already trying to figure out what you're doing with your life, trying to graduate, trying to get on the road to wherever you're going, and then you have someone you love every day, forgetting who you are, forgetting how to do things. And just, you don't, some people just don't know how to handle it very well. And I think having support groups in schools and churches or even just educating teenagers will just make a difference because, like I said, we're the caregivers of tomorrow. We have to be, we have to know what we're up against. Yeah, very true. Do you do you worry, you know, about your mom getting the disease? Is that something that crosses um, your mind at all? Well, I can't say that. I haven't thought about it, but I don't know if she's going to get it because I don't, I can't see the future. But I'm also have dealt with it with my grandmother, so if she does get it, I know how to, you know, I'll always take care of her and always be here and I'll know what to do for her and I'll know where to go for help if I need any. She's taught me well, and I think if parents have the relationship that me and my mother do while she's caregiving for someone, then it will make a difference because then they're going to learn how to take care of them if they get it. Yep, very true, very true. Um, I know my daughter doesn't really talk about, you know, do I have it or not. Every now and then she'll say, you know, you've got it, you know, because I forget something. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. and, um, we kind of joke back and forth, you know, with that. Because like you said, none of us know it. I kind of feel like it's almost like the cancer gene. We all carry it, but Mm -hmm. is it going to ignite within us? We don't know. But But we need to be prepared. We need to be knowledgeable about the disease and the impact. And we really have to get... Congress understanding and, you know, our, our government, I mean, I know they're working on a plan, but uh, most most caregivers right now are going to say, you know, 2020 is not acceptable. We need help today. We need help mm-hmm. today. And, and research is great, but we need tools to live our life as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's really kind of that combination here. Um, Harry is asking uh, how old you are. Would you mind sharing? I'm 17 years old. You're 17 years old. He says she has a passion and an understanding of um, of a professional. Her parents must be very proud. And um, now, Thank is your you. mom on the line with us? Yes, she is. is. Your mom, would you Would you mind if I pulled her into the conversation? No, that's perfectly fine. Okay. Um, Susan, are you are you with us here? Yes. Yes, I am. Well, I I think it would just be, um, and not to take the light away from Jordan because she's doing amazing things, but I think as a parent, um, you can maybe shed a little bit of light on how how did this happen? How you know how did this um, come about? And how can other parents support their children in a mission like this? So um, how did this all come about? Was it just was it totally Jordan's idea and She's off and running, and then how did you support her in that? Uh, no, it it was all Jordan's idea. She has been through a lot. She's my backbone, so to speak. She, um, We went on a road trip once. Um, she tried out for a singing show and everything. And was, I knew it was the last time probably mother could travel. 
And so we went and everything, and you know, you're so tired dealing with caregiving, and you have a 17-year-old you're trying not to neglect and making it all happen and, and everything. And, you know, in the middle of the night, mother's doing the delusional, the AC unit must be a refrigerator or a stove that needs to be unplugged. You know, you're so tired, you know, that you know, I was just cracking. Jordan pulled me aside, she says, I got this. <laughs> and she kind of does that, you know, because it, it's just us. We've been full care for my mother for three years without any respite or anything like that. And uh, Jordan's been the one where she sees me to that physical point where, you know, I just can't anymore get up a fourth time. Jordan will mm-hmm. be there. I'm like, I got this. And I think, you know, mother had a lot of frontal lobe issues along with Alzheimer's. So there's a lot of impulse control problems. And, you know, it can create, and I didn't even realize this as far as Jordan goes, a lot of isolation because you don't know, can you have a friend over today or is this the day grandma's going to try to undress? <laughs> you know, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Well, she just went to a support group with me, and I guess she handles it so well. She's always been so strong. When I left the room they asked her the question, she just burst into tears. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of the first, like, oh, my gosh, you know, we talk about it, but I didn't realize how deeply it was affecting her. So over a course of the next year, and I guess it started in the summer, like Jordan said, she just came to me and said, you know, I feel like this is something I need to do. I feel like I'm being called to do this. So I encouraged her to pray about it, and God would show her the way. And she has done everything herself. You know, she's had some help from her dad, you know, from her dad, you know, website and uh, her father and myself and the families come together to give her support and her sister um, and everything. But she's really done it all herself and come up with her two goals, and she's been very true to her two goals. You know, she wants support groups because there are none in Texas, and we can't find any in any other states. I think we found one state up north that had a mm-hmm. website. You can go online and talk to counselors. But in school, support mechanisms where teens can talk to teens. They're not being lectured to. They're not given, here's a strategy to cope. It's just Mm -hmm. so they can explore their feelings so they don't feel isolated and alone. And she gets contacted over her blog and and by email from teens that are going through it and gets asked questions. One teen, I guess a couple weeks ago, lost um, their stepmother to Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And she contacted Jordan. So she really has been putting an emphasis of getting the support mechanism in the schools, just where teens can talk with teens. And then hopefully she's very excited about the potential of the webinar, you know, and maybe the possibility of the health classes being able to sign in, you know, if mm-hmm. it's something that the school district will allow so that the, it's a platform to get the kids talking so that they understand where resources are. Yep. Yeah, and and with the webinars, they're they're all recorded, and so they could use those, you know, throughout their curriculum um, without mm-hmm. a problem. So they wouldn't have to even, you know, meet our time frame and stuff. Um, they'll just be able to log in and and do it. And I think that that'll be just a just a wonderful wonderful mechanism um, to power some things forward on a on a big level. And it's not going to cost the school district anything because I, right. I offer these for free. And, um, you know, it, it's just, it's it's stuff we just all have to do together. You know, we've got to join forces. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's been interesting feel. the people you mm-hmm. talk with have personal stories. You know, is she sharing mm-hmm. her story and her goals? You know, down at the school, the, uh, school district today, 
we heard a couple different stories. Um, and the last thing that we were left with is when she gets to the point, because um, she's still on the creative side of the webinar, putting it together so that it will be something attractive to teens, um, just actually go and speak to the school board. And that mm-hmm. was mentioned to her today, to speak to the entire school board on behalf of what should be happening you know, in the schools, because she's actually taking her recorder and recorded kids. Do you know what Alzheimer's is? Has she had health class? You know, and it mm-hmm. was, it's interesting to hear the lack of understanding. Yep, yep. And, you know, that school board's all going to be, you know, adult children probably in the thick of it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and if, it, if they haven't been personally touched, they know a friend who has. And, Absolutely. Um, so I think it's going to be a great, great strategy, and I'd be more than glad to even, uh, if I can help with that in any way, by making a video that she can use to kind of set her up and introduce her. Um, I'd be Absolutely. more than glad to, to do something like that, whatever whatever I can do to su- support her efforts, because this is such a huge need. On dementia chats, you know, we have a lot of people with uh, early onset, you know, who have children, who have been struggling, and... You know, we, you know, that's a concern for all of us. We had somebody the other day who wrote in saying how powerful the webinar was for them because their family sat down and met. And one of the, um, one of the grandchildren was just having a really tough time with her. Uh, I think it was the grandfather having dementia, and just broke down in tears when she saw these other people with dementia. And she learned so much and went to school and then shared that. And now all of a sudden she found out one of her friends is dealing with the same thing, but it was never discussed because nobody was brave enough to have the conversation. And so breaking down these barriers is going to break down the stigma, you know, with it. And um, so, yeah, you've got to be awful proud of Jordan. I've never met her, and and I'm really proud of her. You know, it's it's pretty cool stuff that she's up to. I'm really proud of her. I'm really proud of her tenacity and her spirit and her kindness um, to her grandmother. She's, uh, you know, an inspiration to me. And she keeps me going, I will tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it wasn't for the family, for, you know, both of my girls and and uh, for the family that we have, and there's a lot of caregiving, you know. I often joke I'm going to write a book called Help, I'm Sandwiched, you know, caring for children mm-hmm. raising parents. But, you know, if it wasn't for the family, you know, um, you're in it together, uh, you care for each other through thick and thin, and and I, and I tell you, I've always raised them families first, and, and Jordan is a testament to that. Yeah, yeah, she definitely is. Leanne throw it in the chat box, compassion with a big smiley face. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, you know, my daughter is, uh, she's grown up now. She went to school for graphic design, but where does she work? In a memory care unit as an activities person, and she loves her job. She just absolutely loves, she, you know, she, she just adores it, and she connects so well. And it's it's really fun to see that as a parent, um, that growth and that, that level of compassion at such a young age. You know, it's really, really something something else. Um, it is, and Leanne, I, I tell you that. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, Leanne says, for youth to look outside themselves is just so wonderful, like Jordan mm-hmm. is doing. Absolutely. Um, we've seen, unfortunately, when 
the education and the support isn't there and the family unit isn't intact. You know, we've seen a case, you know, with a family um, that unfortunately wasn't close to us, but we got involved in the very end where, you know, they weren't educated. They didn't understand the disease, you know, and they really, unfortunately, it turned into a case where the individual was just kind of left. You know, mm-hmm. they thought that was the disease. They didn't want to eat, so okay, they're not going to make them, you know, or not get them the resources to understand. And, you know, in the very end stages, you know, the the individual, and it was so sad, um, was malnourished, hadn't been cared for, because there was a huge lack of understanding. And they just didn't understand the disease. And it's taken our family, different people in our family, you know, quite a few years to really come to understand the disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have so. two brothers that still don't get it. And yeah. you know, I finally have had to let go and say all I can do is lead by example, which is exactly what Jordan is doing. I mean, mm-hmm. she is out in the forefront, and um, she's going to be fun to watch and, and very Absolutely. fun to work with. Well, thank you for. I mean, I just wanted to. I'll give it back to Jordan. It's 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 her deal and her her project. But uh, you know, anything parents can do to open the door. And a lot of times, kids. What I have seen, what Jordan's conveyed to me is, you know, I see. I was like, why didn't you talk to me about these feelings? Well, I see you going through all your feelings, and you hang your head and cry as much as you tried to hide it from me. You know, and she goes, I don't want to burden you more. So I really think it is important to open the door and to give teens a place to talk with other teens. Um, so, anyways, I will give it back to her. And thank you for uh, supporting her and being a mentor to her. She looks up to you so much and, you know, is really, you know, going by all your input as she moves forward with you and with the Purple Rain Project. So thank you so much and God bless to you and your viewers oh. or listeners. <laughs> okay, thank you. Well, well, Jordan, you are just doing some amazing, amazing work here, and um, I don't think uh, we can give you enough kudos. Harry is just saying, uh, let's see, do her friends accept what she's saying, or, or do they shy away from you? Well, surprisingly enough, I have met a couple of, I guess, really just sweet individuals, especially my age, because... I actually had a party for one of my friends, and we had about 30 kids there. And my grandma had just come home, and we had to be really, really quiet. And they all completely were quiet. And, you know, everybody that comes in and meets my grandmother, they respect her, and they just love her to death. And they said that, you know, it's it's sad that such a sweet woman like her can just get a terrible disease like this. Wow. And for 30 kids to be quiet, that's not an easy task. And um, that just shows the level of respect that that they all have, and and that I have to believe that you've instilled in them with that by sharing your life. Because you know, without that, without your level of compassion and sharing, um, a lot of people wouldn't understand and wouldn't wouldn't abide. You know, because mm-hmm. you know what's the difference? And so I I personally have to believe that that level of respect came from your teachings, if you know it or not, um, you know, mm-hmm. through that, through the process. And, um, you know, it's not always easy to share life with dementia and because uh, there's, there's the wonderful moments, but I'm sure you've had your times too where you've just wanted to break down and cry just like your mom, you know, and, 
and here you've been her rock, um, just like my daughter's been mine. You know, it's it's uh, it's interesting how strong our children can be, um, and we don't really, I think, as parents, we don't know that, or we we surely don't expect it um, from you. But oh man, do we appreciate it! <laughs> but I I think also as parents. We want our children to feel safe enough to express their emotions too and not carry okay. our burdens on their shoulders. But if we can share them and, you know, be honest and open with how we're feeling. Um, because, you know, as a parent, it, it's really difficult when we when we find out that you, you know, as a teenager or a child has been stashing their emotions to stay strong for us. I mean, we we love that about you, but we don't, we know it's not healthy for anybody to bottle up those emotions in that fashion. And um, so to have a have a site, um, and, you know, or a group that physically meets, you know, however all this works out, and it will probably end up in multiple fashions, um, is just so incredibly important to validate people's emotions. Um, we talked about that yesterday on our dementia chats, actually, with um, Steve, where he has um, he has the disease and he's got young onset and he was talking about he he needs to be validated his emotions his frustration and his anger with the disease and and I would imagine you need to feel the same way um, as well you know we all need to be validated so that we don't think we're going crazy you know or that we don't that we don't belong mm-hmm. with that. Um, is there anything that you want to say to teenagers listening um, to the show? Well, if there are any teenagers listening or if their parents are listening for them, I just would love for them to realize that they're not alone and what they're feeling is, I guess, okay. But being able to talk to someone, which is what I'm going to fight for. So, you know, other teenagers are out there just like you are. But we'll get there to where you can feel, I guess, confident enough to talk to another person going through the same thing as you. But I would take, I would go and talk to your parents right now and tell them, you know, I this is how I'm feeling. I don't know how long I can handle this. I want to know more about it. Because the more you know about it and the more you understand it, the better it is for you to cope with it. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's a really, really good advice, Jordan. I know when I when I go in and talk to the schools, the kids feel so helpless because especially when families um, take um, maybe a, a grandparent in and everybody's life shifts. And it really, a lot of times families don't acknowledge that shift that the child is feeling. And it's pretty huge, mm-hmm. um, you know, what mom and dad have to do now and, and how things are done differently and um you know maybe you know the the attention you know just shifts and those are things we have to talk about you know or there's going to be there's going to be big major breakdown in the family structure and i don't think parents intentionally try to leave people out but it happens a lot and um when i go into the schools i just see the pain on these kids faces and um you know, we just we can't have that. We need to we need to be supportive, um, and and work together with that. Um, Harry is just saying, "Wow, she is just wonderful," 
And um, Leanne is saying we need others uh, to believe as well um, and have the passion that you have. So, um, Jordan, in terms of Mm -hmm. uh, parents listening or friends, what would your words of wisdom be to them? Well, as a teenager myself, um, I will be the first to tell you, and I'm sure you've noticed, that your kids are not, especially teenagers, they're not going to come up to you and tell you that what they're seeing wrong with whoever has it in, in your family is bothering them because we don't really understand how to deal with our emotions the right way like some people do. So the best way you can do it is bring it to your attention and talk to them and ask them how they're feeling and see what they know about it before you tell them exactly what's going on. I mean, you'll start realizing that, you know, your teenagers and your their friends don't understand what this disease is, and it's just something they don't talk about because they don't want to talk about something that they don't fully understand. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you know, just talk to them and educate them on it and, show them that, you know, a lot of people go through it and that they're not the only ones. Because I thought that for the longest time. I thought it was only me going through this, that no one understands what I'm going through, and I'm alone. And then when I started this project, I started seeing, wow, there's a lot of teenagers that feel completely helpless. And that's an ugly feeling to feel. So that's what I'm trying to fight for. Yeah, and I think that that is wonderful, um, that you gave the advice of, you know, parents step up to the plate, start the discussion there. Um, Leanne has just put in, um, this is a Facebook group that Jordan uh, might be a part of, and it's with Chris Wynn. And I'll make sure that you, you get that. I'll, I'll copy that right now and send that to you in, a, in an email. And Chris has actually mm-hmm. done a film. His dad had it, and he's... Oh, I don't know. He's probably in his 30s or 40s, um, you know, dealing with uh, with all of this. But uh, great, great guy, and you might be able to tap in um, to some some power behind what you're doing, and uh, find some mm-hmm. other people that want to join the cause and and help you, you know, help you get the word out um, in terms of uh, the Purple Rain Project. So um, is there anything else that you want to tell our our listeners at all, Jordan? Um, I would just like to say that I appreciate everyone who's listening, and I'm honored that I was on your show as well. But you can hear all this stuff, but I would really love it if you went home, and or if you are home, you go and you tell everybody about this project, and you really try to hear, like, from my point of view and from other teenagers' point of views, what we are trying to accomplish here and why they need support groups and everything like that. But right. And and one of the things that people can do is like the program. Um, so if you're a Facebook person, um, you know, please mm-hmm. like the page and send it out to your yeah. your sphere, to you know, to your family of influence there, and and make a difference. You know, you can embed the episode. You can email it. Um, you can use this for training programs. This is a this is a great way, you know, if you're a, a church or another Alzheimer's association or some other type of organization, 
you know, use this um, to your benefit. You've got a spokesperson who has really summarized things up, I think, quite nicely um, in terms of need for uh, for teenagers out there. So don't don't let that go by the wayside. Um, make sure that you you know you do what you can mm-hmm. by having the conversation and using the tools before you because we're all so so interconnected here. Do you want to go ahead and give out your contact information, Jordan? Yeah, um, we have on Facebook we have a page called the Purple Rain Project, and it's all of that, and you can type it in, and our page will pop up, and you can like it. Um, we have a website that's www.thepurplerainproject.com, no spaces. We have a Twitter called Show You Care. Um, and then we have a blog, but I haven't quite figured out how to get it out there. But I okay. believe once I put it in um, Google, you put the Purple Rain Project, it comes up and it's called Thoughts.com. And usually you can okay. find it that way. Yeah, I, personally, I went to Thoughts.com, but I couldn't find the Purple Rain Project. So I, I had a hard yeah. time maneuvering maneuvering that. Um, and I'd be more than glad to help you if you if you ever decide that you want to um, go to, like, a WordPress and help you walk through that. It's pretty simple, and just have your own name. It's free mm-hmm. um, to be able to, to set up. Um, but I don't know if you've got a lot of stuff on there that you would, you would lose. But I... For the was that is the thoughts one is that a is that like a shared um, blog with different people on there yeah. or is it, okay yeah so um, you know whatever I, I I just and it might just be me you know I'm 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 high tech and really low tech at the same time <laughs> it just depends on how how things hit me from day to day. Well, Jordan, you are doing miraculous work, and I am just so thrilled um, that we connected. And I'm really looking forward to working with you and helping you in any way that I can. Um, I I just think it's really a neat, neat mission. And I know that you want to go be a pastry chef, but I don't know. You might you might just end up being in the dementia world with the vision that you have in, in terms of doing some pretty big things here. Um, we've got, um, let's see, somebody from Aruba. How would you go around getting the youth together in this project, he's, he's asking, um, and he just joined the conversation. Um, can you tell him how, how youth can get involved again really quickly? Um you can get involved by going to our website or emailing us, and you can send us, you know, pictures of the Purple Rain Project on you, or you can have your children take pictures of health books and see what their schools are actually teaching them in health about Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And you can spread the word, get either this, you know, this video after it's uploaded around or you can search us up on YouTube and you'll find all of our videos and you can share those as well. I mean, the more people know about it, the more people are going to start realizing that we need our, you know, caregivers in my generation to be educated fully and to know that they have somewhere to turn. They have people to talk to. They're not alone. Wonderful. And um, the name of your YouTube channel, is that The Purple Rain Project again? Yes. Okay. 
So, um, and again, we'll, her links are on the the show page as well as I'll I'll be adding them to the to the blog when I do the article as well on that. So, again, Jordan, I thank you so much for being with us, and Susan, um, thank you so much for your time as well with us today. Um, the two of you are just uh, some powerhouses out there, and uh, Susan, we appreciate the support that you're giving Jordan so that she can get out there and do what she's doing because it's it's pretty big stuff. It's my pleasure. My pleasure. Well, great. Well, we will, I'm sure, have you back on the show, and I'm very much looking forward to doing a webinar with you, Jordan. So you take care, and we will be in touch, okay? Okay. Thank you for everything you've been doing. Okay. Thank you. Have a great day now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the show today, um, but I want to let you know about some some upcoming shows as well. Um, we've just got a, a great little lineup. On February 1st, we'll be having Judy Prescott, who is the author of CC, and we're going to have um, somebody from Speed Grieving on as well. And then on the 8th, Barbara Brock um, is going to be talking about a new clock test and um, how that can really help uh, families and professionals alike. And we'll, Carmela um, is going to be with us from Wisconsin, uh, telling us some things there. And then on the 18th of February, we're going to have Dr. Bill Thomas, who is just an icon in um, culture change. And he's, it'll just be fascinating to have to have Bill with us. And then we're going to have a... Um, an expert on drumming and how that can be utilized um, with dementia. And so it's going to get back into kind of that music therapy that I'm a a big believer in. On um, February 12th, we're also going to have our next Dementia Chats session. And again, those are free, and those will be posted on the blog. But if you just go to alzheimerspeaks.com, There you have access to the radio show and the blog, the resource uh, directory, as well as all of our tools on there. And you can also have access to um, the archived episodes of Dementia Chats, where, again, we we talk openly with people who have dementia, and our audience is able to interact with us through the chat box to make comments and also to uh, ask questions and post questions uh, to our experts living with the disease. so um, And we just made a new Facebook page for Dementia Chats, too. So if you would um, like to uh, like us and befriend us, we would, we would love to be connected with you on that. I want to thank uh, Alzheimer's Disease International. Again, anybody around the world, if you're looking for an Alzheimer's Association, you can go to ADI, um, the Alzheimer's Disease International, or Google that and um, be able to hook up with some wonderful resources in your own area. Um, For Sherry, again, Sherry Snelling with her book, um, with the Celebrity Stories, uh, don't forget that. And also check out ShareCare. Just go to sharecare.com or you can go to dr.oz.com to reach ShareCare as well. There you'll find the top ten influencers on Alzheimer's, along with so much other health and wellness information. They are just have great, great information from diabetes and health disease to caregiving, 
uh, to losing weight, to depression. Uh, the list just goes on. And they have a lot of resources in short question and answer format um, done by the experts. And if you don't see your question, you can go ahead and pose a question to them. So again, just another another great resource uh, for you out there. So once again, it's been my honor and privilege uh, to to share um, two more voices uh, in the world um, making a huge difference in our dementia care culture. Until next time, have have just a blessed week. Talk to you all soon. Bye now. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurpose on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.